Okay, good evening, everybody. The topic this evening is nothing matters. There are three interpretations to these two words, nothing matters. Interpretation number one is kapshuto, the simple understanding. Hevel havalim, everything is worthless, nothing really makes a difference, it doesn't matter what we do. Obviously, that is not the Torah Hashkafa. Potential meaning number two, nothing matters, meaning to say, don't sweat the small stuff. We make a big deal out of so many things in life that ultimately do not have to be such a big deal. Nothing really matters that much. That's interpretation number two. However, the third understanding of these two words is the uh, approach I'd like to delve into this evening. Nothing. Sometimes we do something and we might receive a compliment. Somebody might admire uh, chesed. And our response is, it was nothing. It was no big deal. It, it, it took very little effort. I wasn't going out of my way. Nothing meaning to say that which we assume is nothing. That which we tell ourselves and others, it's not that big of a deal, it doesn't matter. Those nothings matter greatly. And therefore, in a sense, everything, if done in the right way, with the right mindset, with the right engagement, everything matters. So even that which we consider nothing, worthless, not a big deal, Everything we do can be transformative to ourselves and to others. We know famously that the midwives in Mitzrayim, Shem Acha Shifra Veshem Hashenis Pua, the two leaders were Shifra and Pua. And Rashi tells us that Shifra was Yochevet and Pua was Miriam. Why did they have these alternative names, Shifra and Pua? So Rashi explains, Shifra is a reference to Yochevet, Shemisha Peres as Havlad, because she would, she would beautify the child. So she would clean off the baby, she would put cute pajamas on the baby, she would comb his or her hair, whatever little hair there was, she would beautify the child, hence her name, was Shifra. Why was Miriam called Pua? So Rashi says, Shepoa umidaberis vahoga levlad, because she would call out and she would speak and she would make noises to the little baby. Just like mommies do when the little baby is crying. So the mother will try to be mafayish, try to pacify the child through singing, through rocking, through making little cooing noises, whatever works. My, uh, my oldest nephew, Zachary Light, this is going back many years ago, when he was a baby, he was very hard to calm down. So my brother and sister-in-law, they had this big exercise ball they didn't use it for exercise, to my knowledge, but they would sit on the ball and just rock Zachary until he would finally go to sleep. So that's what Pua was doing. That's Miriam. So Shifra is Yochevid, and Pua 
is Miriam. Does this Rashi sound kind of strange to you? Why are they naming Yocheved and Miriam? These were giants. It's one thing that a Kaddish Baruch Hu will tell Avram, now your name is Avraham. Or Yaakov's name, he was given also the name Yisrael. Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah. But wherever we find throughout Tanakh that an Adam Godel, a Tzaddik or a Tzaddikis, a great person, a righteous person, is given a different name, it's obviously indicating something very special, very unique about their character. This sounds totally arbitrary. It seems random. This is the kind of noise she made to get the baby to sleep. Okay, let's name her Pua. Having any shame, having any distinction, having a title is usually definitive of something very fundamental about who you are, what you have accomplished, or what you will accomplish. In the beginning of Sefer Shmos, the Elish Shmos B'nai Yisrael, Rashi says, even though Kalal Yisrael was counted previously, nonetheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to count to express HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite love for Kalal Yisrael, that the Jewish people are analogous to the Kochavim, to the stars. How does Hashem relate to the stars? The Pasuk in Yeshaya says that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has a special name for every star in the universe. All of the trillions upon trillions of stars, each star has a name. And we say this in Tehillim. Explains Rav Ori Weisbaum. He was one of the great disciples of Revolva one of the great Musar personalities of our time. He quotes the Gemara in Brachos, where the Gemara actually gives a number to how many stars there are in the universe. We're not going to go through this calculation now, but it is uh, pretty incredible. L'chol kochav yesh tafkid babriya explains, or Oy Reisbaum, what does it mean that every star has its name? It means that every aspect of the Bria, everything within the universe, has its tafkid, has its function, its purpose. So a star having a name, HaKadosh Baruch Hu being infinite, intimately familiar with every aspect of creation means that everything is here for a purpose. So the name of Shifra and the name of Pua, these were not just cute titles they had or nicknames, obviously it's indicative that they had something very special, and it was revealed or it was expressed through these names. We live in a, in a society, and we've spoken about this before, where the big things, the heroic actions, are viewed as real accomplishments, and then the smaller things, if it's just something subtle, something nuanced, it's not in your face, not many people know about it. Those are the smaller things in life, and those are not the same level of accomplishment. Rabbi Ruchim Levovitz says that perspective on life is totally flawed. 
to live in a world where there are big things and there are little things, explains Rabbi Yeruchim, means you're living in a world of illusion. There is no such thing as a big heroic action and a small, meaningless, insignificant action. It's based on who you are. Are you a big person or are you a small person? Are you living with godless? Are you engaging and interacting with the world around you and with those people who are you able to touch and inspire? Are you engaging with godless, with greatness, or with katnus, with smallness? There's no such thing as a big thing or a small thing, but there are big people and there are small people. Explains Yerbi Rucham in source number five. It's possible regarding things that we view as insignificant. For example, Miriam making cute noises to pacify the baby from crying, or Yocheved washing up the newborn baby girl and combing her hair and then putting on sweet little pajamas. These little things, heim bezezochelikorebeshemus, they got their name, they received their tafkid, their mission. Something fundamental about them was transformed through these little cute things. Because they weren't little, they weren't cute, they were majestic, they were awesome, because they were awesome people, they were gedolim, and therefore even their small things were great. Explains Rabbi Ruchim. Ein babriya lo devarim ketanim velo devarim gedolim, ela hakol tolui ba'adam. It all depends on who I am, how I'm doing something, how I'm saying something. Ha'adam ha'godol hu ha'holich v'nosei alumo shel gadlus. In everything that I do, in every conversation that I have, in every interaction that I'm able to, to connect with you, it's mehadevarim shebegadlus. It's coming from a place of greatness. But conversely, you could have someone who's small, who's small-minded, who's petty, who doesn't see much more than what's right in front of them. They could be doing the greatest things in the world that objectively, from an outside onlooker, it looks like it's incredible but they're mashpil, but they're bringing it down, they're making it small, because they're small. You have five minutes alone with your teenage son. How often does the average father speak with his teenage son per day, if you had to guess? Option number one, an hour and a half. Option number two, 30 minutes. Option number two, fif three, 15 minutes. Hour and a half, 30 minutes, or 15 minutes, the answer is none of the above. <laughs> Even less than 15 minutes is the average time that a father will have a conversation with his teenage son per day. So let's say you have five minutes, and you're together, you're alone in the car. Mm, let's not use the car example. I want to bring in the cell phone. We can't combine cell phones with cars. You're sitting somewhere with your son waiting for other things to happen. So he's on his phone, and naturally, you could go on your phone. And then those few minutes pass by, 
and he goes in his direction and you go in your direction. Or you could be misgaber, you could overcome the desire to see all of the emails you've been missing the last little while and actually have a conversation with your boy and try to connect on something. Try to climb into his head a little bit. Try to let him know that I love you and I respect you even though you probably feel very separate from me right now because you're your own little person in your own little world. These are devarim ketanim, but if I'm approaching it from a, from a mindset of godless, of how do I expand the moment? How do I capitalize on this particular point in time? Then it could be greatness. It could be awesome. Rabbi Rucham says that he quotes from the Rambam and the Shemona Prakim. The Rambam tells us that ideally, and this is a very high level to attain, but ideally everything we do should be working us towards the purpose of korva, of closeness with Hashem. V'yosim of kulam, that I should have in mind that the objective of all of my actions, meviim lezeha tachlis, will bring me to this purpose. To the point where I'm doing nothing that's hevel. I do nothing that's in vain. Does that mean you're not eating, you're not sleeping, you're not doing all the regular mundane secular things that us mortal men and women do? Of course not. It means you're living a normal life. But you're able through your machshava, through your focus to channel what you're doing, to have a clarity as to why you're doing it. This is all bringing me closer to a goal I'm trying to attain. Then the eating is a different eating. The, the schmoozing is a different schmoozing. The sleeping is a different sleeping. I was speaking to the, uh, the base Madrash fellows today, having a conversation about what to have in mind when playing basketball. And this could relate to last week's discussion, where we don't want to fool ourselves, we can't fake that we're something if we're not. We have to be very careful with being ehrlich and honest with ourselves. So to start writing a whole mantra before you go and play, I'm fulfilling the will of God by staying healthy, and that's the only reason why I'm playing, because I don't really enjoy it. I'm only doing it for you, Hashem. So that's probably not the case. However, to have in mind that I'm playing basketball because it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with Haverim, I need the outlet. I can't just sit in the base medish all day. It's very healthy for me physically, psychologically, and emotionally. And Amrit Hashem, this will help my overall avodas Hashem. Am I only doing it for that? Of course not. I'm doing it because I love playing basketball. And I need, I need to get outside and run around. But at least having that as part of my thought process, what I've just done is I've transformed this hour of basketball from Hevel, the Rick, from nothingness and Batala, to clinging closer to a Kaddish Baruch. I'm doing the exact same thing, but it's with a different mindset. I'm doing something small and trivial, but if I approach it from a mindset of godless, then it's not cotton, it's not katanus, it's not small, but it's massive. 
I think it was Martin Luther King who said the line, if I can't do great things, I can still do small things in a great way. The truth is, we would take it one step further. We would say, if you're doing small things in a great way, they are not small things. That is the definition of godless. In the words of the Rebbeinu B'chaya, he says we should never view any, any tov, anything good, anything productive that we're able to accomplish, we should never view it as small. As long as we're doing it with the right hargasha, with the right feeling, with the right attitude, even if it's in one word that I'm saying, if it's in how I'm conducting myself, this is a line that I've quoted so many times, one of the most powerful lines of the Rebbeinu B'chaya, what seems small to you is massive to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, as long as as we do it with the right I want to share with you a story. This goes back hundreds of years. I thank my, my good friend Mayor Lehman for showing this to me. This is in the Sefer, the Seder Hadoros, or Bichil Helprin. He speaks about a Talmud Chacham by the name of Yeshua ben Ilaim. Yeshua ben Ilaim, it seems, was one of the, the great sages of his time. And he he received a message in the dream, in a dream that was, Samach Belibecha, you Yeshua ben Ilaim should feel joy. because you and Nanas, the butcher, you will be in the same place together in Gan Eden. And you're going to be equal with the butcher. That was the message that Yeshua ben Elam received in his dream. He woke up, and he was first very disturbed by this. He said, From the day I was born, I was always living with the reverence of Hashem. I was always toiling in Torah. I never went more than four amos without wearing my talis and tefillin. I have so many Talmidim that I've been teaching and inspiring, and now they're telling me from heaven that I'm going to be with the butcher in heaven? This is all I'm, I'm looking forward to? Something's wrong. So he sent a word to his Talmidim. I will not come back to the base Medrash until you find out who is this man, Nanas? The butcher. And what is he doing that we're going to be in the same place in Gan Eden? So his Talmidim go on a search party and they're looking, going from town to town, village to village, trying to find Anas. And eventually they find him. He looks like a Pasha Yid, pretty simple man. He's working in a butcher shop. And they tell him that Yeshua ben Elaim would love to have a conversation with you. He'd love to learn more about you. And the response of the butcher was, yeah, right. And my mother was George Washington. Come on, I don't believe you. They tried convincing him, but he sent all the Talmudim away. Yeshua ben Elaim hears about 
their, their efforts. He said, Baruch Hashem, you found him. I'll go myself. So he travels to this place and he meets the butcher for the first time. And he says, Mama secha, ma Yeshua ben Elam asked this guy, Nana, so what do you do? What's your malacha? So the butcher said back, Adoni katsaveni. My master, I'm just a butcher. Ve'yeshli av zekenim. I also have an older mother and father. Ve'enim yecholim lamur al-raglehem. They can't walk by themselves. And every day, I go over, I get them dressed, I give them food, I bathe them. As soon as he was done explaining what he did, Miyad immediately, Omar Reb Yochanan, Omar Reb Yeshua, Vinoshko al Rosho, he stood up and he kissed Nanas the butcher on the head. And he said to him, Bani Asherecha. You are so fortunate. Matovu manoyim, how amazing is your lot in Gan Eden? Ashreni, and how fortunate am I that I have to be, I'm Zoha to be with you in the world to come. So it sounds like he was deterred, disturbed by the fact that he'd be in the same place with this lowly butcher. But as soon as he found out what he did, everything changed. What changed in the mind of Yeshua ben Ile? So it sounds like once he found out that he was taking care of his elderly mother and father, and he was actually osek biyadayim, he was in, involved, getting them dressed, bringing them food. At that point, he understood, I'm envious of you, and I feel grateful that I have your same chilek. Nobody knew who this guy was. He was not famous. He was not well-known. After he passed away, he had no svarim. He had no inventions. Nobody was named after Nanas. How many people do you know named Nanas? A couple. But he did something small, but he did it with godless. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu were introduced to in the beginning of the Parsha, Medish Rabbi says that in a Hashem never uplifts somebody to a role of significance until they first, or Kadosh Baruch Hu first gives him a test in something that seems to be small. And if you're good with the small things, you do those with godless, then Hakadosh Baruch Hu brings you to a point of significance. There are so many examples, if we think of in our own lives, little things that we just don't pay attention to. And it depends on what stage of life we're at. If we're helping children with homework, that could be uh, very stressful point of the day. Everybody's whining, everybody's complaining, nobody knows what to do, everybody needs you. If you're shopping, if you're cleaning the sticky kitchen floor, there's so many things that it could be hevel, it could be worthless, but with the right machshava, with the right person doing it, 
if I can make myself into that right person, it's an expression of godless. We quoted on Shabbos the famous letter from Reb David Leibowitz when he was creating the Kolel in Kovna. And he said, the goal of the Kolel was not necessarily to produce rabbis or Rosh Yeshiva. The goal was to produce Yehudim Gedolim, great Jews. How do you become a Yehudi? That's Godol. How do you become a great Jew? It's by realizing that there's nothing, nothing considered small. And everything you do with the sense of maximizing the moment, that defines you, that gives you the name, Shifra, Pua, that transforms you. Making time for fun, making time for music, making time to listen to someone who's telling me something that perhaps naturally I wouldn't be that interested in, but just focusing, getting absorbed in what you're saying, laughing, crying, not being afraid to sit on the grass even though it's going to get your pants dirty. So many little things that we just, we don't push that, that little more and therefore it remains small. We have the choice to make it big. Ross, when she has a conversation with Boaz and Boaz basically tells her, I know a lot about you. The Targum, the Aramaic translation of Rus, explains that Boaz was actually telling Rus, I had a nevuah, I received the prophecy, and I learned through that prophecy, the actual Pasuk says, Who gave who godly? It was told to me. Everything you did for your mother-in-law after your husband passed away. And it was also told to me how you left your mother and your father, the Eretz Moladcha, and the land that you were born, and you went into a nation, meaning you converted to be part of Kalal Yisrael, into a place that you didn't know anything about. So there are two things that Boaz is mentioning. Two uh, insights that I received, he says, into you. The first is, that you were kind to your mother-in-law, you took care of her after your husband passed away. And the second is that you pretty much did the exact same thing as Avram Avinu. You left your homeland, you did everything that he did, you had that courage and the guvura, and you converted to Judaism as a ger tzedek. If you had to choose between those two accomplishments, which one would you assume is more everlasting, is more powerful? Would you even put them on par with each other? Well, the first is you're being a nice person. You're taking care of her. And the second is you're, you're Rus. But what Boaz was saying is the prophecy I received, I know you will be Zoha, explains the Targum, to having great people come from you in the future. Because of both of these things, and the first that I'm mentioning, which is actually more chashiv, which is more of an accomplishment potentially than even your conversion, is the fact that you were a mensch. The fact that you didn't let your mother-in-law go on by herself, but you were there for her. It could be a small thing. I think perhaps some of the men in the room are thinking, taking care of your mother-in-law is not a small thing at all. That could be a big thing. 
But it could be a small thing, but when it's done with Mesiris Nefesh, like the Rabbeinu Bechaya said, if it's Ta'asednu Lishmo, we do it with real Hislavus, with the fire, with the passion, with the desire to do it as best as we can. It's not small, it's transformative. Shifra and Pua got their names by doing silly things. Sometimes even the silly things in life can make you great. What's your kavana? What's your machshava? The Baal Shem Tov used to say that the definition of a human being is where his machshava is. How are you viewing yourself? How are you viewing the world? How are you viewing this mitzvah? How are you viewing this eating, this sleeping, this playing basketball? My machshava can transform something drastically. And therefore, there are no small things. But there are only great people who do great things. We should be zocha to emulate Shifra and Pua. And we should be zocha to get our own names, our own identity by doing those things that other people might view as small, but they make us great. A good Shabbos, everybody.